We are back again, the lock screen convos. This is going to be a good one. My name is Tenji. And I'm Uzo. Yeah. Had a good week? Yep, yep. Had uh, lots of interesting little things happen, and um, it's, it's, it's been good. Um, how, how's your week been? Oh, it's been blessed. Um, can't, can't complain. I like the weather. Although the, mm-hmm. the, the new thing now I'm having to deal with is uh, I have birds dumping over my car, so I have to go buy a, a, a poop remover from the pet store. I've never done that oh. in my life. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what, what, how did you offend them? What did you do? <laughs> <laughs> I won't know. In fact, uh, see, those birds, I mean, quite a few cars in the neighborhood are experiencing that too, so... I guess it's just the weather, but you know it's all good. Mm. Well, yeah. um, I hope you find it. did the poop remover work. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! Like one time, man, just uh, didn't even didn't like just a few seconds. I put a bit. It, it comes with a brush too, so you know you spray a little bit of a chemical, and the brush like wipes it off. So it's pretty cool. Nice, nice. Yeah. Glad you were able to solve that problem, and your car is looking brand spanking new and uh, shiny in this good weather. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> awesome. Um, so uh, I was going to say, we're still locked down, you know, Ontario, and people can't can't do anything, and uh, summer's about to start. So everyone's asking, are we going to have a summer or not? And I don't really know. I was in Toronto over the weekend, and I saw some people playing outside. So I guess some people don't care. Uh, people still want to socialize any way they can. But I think generally, we are still in lockdown. Vaccinations have been uh, taking place over the province. People are taking their first and I think second doses. So, but we still don't know like how long we're going to be in the situation for hoping. I think people assume that by this time this year, we will back to quote unquote normal. But I was, I was so, I was so one of them. Same here. And I think right now in my mind, I have definitely postponed that till next year based on, I mean, I, I, for me, I counted lockdown since November. That's when I think the first true lockdown happened. And then we had, they opened up a bit in February, but now we're back to lockdown again. So yeah, it does seem like we're going to be in this situation for quite a while. That being said, what do you, I mean, let's think about life before COVID. I mean, we, we had to go to work, so we had to commute, had to take the train, take the bus. And I remember, you know, getting off at Union Station downtown Toronto, and I would just see, like, the mass of people coming out and, like, squeezing themselves through the doors. And I just thought to myself, this is just a health hazard. And, you know, here we are today, just being around crowds alone can be claustrophobic. Well, what mm-hmm. do you think about, would you say, what would you... What are your thoughts about our lives, our lives before um, the lockdown? What, what do you think? Well, I was, I, well, I still, I'm pro public transport, but like, um, I, I was a very, very adamant. I won't need to drive. I don't like, what's the point of driving? Like a public transport is the way forward. And, um, you know, there's obviously, flaws to that argument that I didn't realize until COVID, but um, I took public transit everywhere. I was, uh, I used to hang out in, I worked in like, uh, I worked out of a Starbucks. And so it feels like my entire lifestyle pre-pandemic was disrupted in, in its, in its own way. And I thought I had all sorts of freedoms. Like I, so I'll get up. My usual morning routine is get up. Um, ride a bike for a couple kilometers to the gym or take the bus, depending on how I'm feeling or the weather, uh, get up, get to the gym, work out for about an hour and then start head to the nearest Starbucks. And I'm there till basically closing or whenever I get tired, whichever one happens first. And now I can't, I can't do the gym part. I can't sit in the Starbucks and um, it's it, like everything's changed in, in that regard. Um, I didn't used to cook. I would just go out and buy food. Um, now most food places are closed or are like delivery options only. So, um, 
yeah, like my my life before COVID is completely different. And I mean, I guess most people's are, but even more so for me and like my outlook and perspective on things have completely changed. Yeah, I think so for me before the lockdown, I, so I, I also definitely, I, I, I say I love public transport, but I definitely do appreciate the fact that we have uh, a fairly decent public transportation system. My, my move was to get to work. I would drive to the station, take the go train. And, uh, there was just for me. I just didn't like it when I was at a station that had construction because, for the usually there will be lots of crowds and lots of, lots of people trying to get out through the same door. So it was just it was uncomfortable for me, and I'll just wait for a few moments for everyone to get out before I walk out the station. The other thing was, I would say, our my working life. So I was working downtown, or just not so far from downtown Toronto. Take streetcars, come back home. And then after, I mean, one of the reasons why I worked, I wanted to work in tech was I liked the idea of, you know, work flexibility. So I could decide to work from home or work from the office. So as long as I have the internet connection, I mean, that's what I really appreciate it. And I would never have thought that it'll be almost mandatory to work from home. And I remember when it was announced that we had to go on lockdown and next thing was having to set people up with a VPN passwords and all that stuff. And it's like work from home, be safe, that kind of thing. And I have, or for most people that I know, have been working in lockdown since March of last year. And honestly, the thought of going back to the office, I'll be honest to you, is I won't say frightening, but it's just like, no. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. Like I'm so used to working from home. I actually appreciate doing it. I feel like I'm more productive. I don't have to deal with the politics. And that's just my perspective. If there's someone you don't like to see at the office, you don't have to see them. That's just, you know, I can do my work, eat, uh, have lunch at my own good time, take walks if I want to. I think for me, I, I just see so many benefits of working from home. Now, don't Now, don't get me wrong. There's always something about being around your colleagues where you can talk and, you know, banter here and there. I mean, I definitely appreciate that, but is it worth having to travel all the way to taking how many trains, taking how many trains and buses to get to work? I mean, think about it. I'm saving about two plus hours, not commuting. And I, I honestly just feel like, you know, I'm, I'm really getting so used to this life. What about you? Do you think, well, you were working at a Starbucks, and I remember that time I came to see you in your office at Starbucks. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but um, with uh, with the upcoming developments with you know with with new work and everything, do you think you'd want to go back to a commuting life, or what? What would you prefer? Uh, I. So I believe in commuting strongly from an idealistic perspective where it's um, I don't know that having these many cars on the road is completely sustainable for the future. And like if we all carpooled or if everybody the uh, the angle I always used to pitch is if everybody who owned a car instead put that money into public transport, we would have a public transport system that is so much like so much more robust and better and people would actually want to use it. But um, that doesn't eliminate some of the challenges you're going to have with like in regards to health and like um, people in enclosed spaces. And um, th there were ob there's obvious flexibility issues, but I figured the extra money would create more routes. But um, the point being that um, I wanted to point out that my commuting mindset is true even in Nigeria. So when I'm in Nigeria, I commute everywhere. I take a bus or Okada or whatever is available and move or, or yeah, and those were my modes of transportation. And people thought it was absolutely insane of me to do that, but it was just... Yeah, 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 gangster with your, with all your, with all your, all your Canadian experience. <laughs> 
guy. It, it was <laughs> like if I, I I took an Okada from Augusta, no, yeah, from Ogun State to Lagos. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, um, it, I I feel like when I say I I believe in in commuting as a as a distinct or public transport. That is how far I believe in it. Like but, dogmatic, almost. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Wow. Like, I, I don't think my views on it are practical. It's, it's more like an idealistic world. Some that's sort of like, you know, like um, I would say, like to the to like that vegan perspective, where it's like, I wish we wouldn't kill any animals for food. And it's like, I hear you, and it'll be nice, but here's the reality of life, sort of situation. Um, so I think that as soon as there are more public trend and and the rise of uber was like yes perfect this is like a a bridge between the existing uh gaps in public transit and the infrastructure we have and um honestly uber and uber eats have been super critical for a lot of people in this pandemic and um on both sides like restaurants who were like there's some restaurants who are not on uber eats like but like now, if you're not on Uber Eats, like, bro, you're not like, who, who, who are you serving? Um, right. And so um, th- that to me is some form of public transport. And I think ultimately um, they are good. And the I, our perspective of it is going to have to evolve and adapt. But and even, it has during the pandemic and will continue to do so after. And um, I will go back to my dogmatic um, attempt to stand up for public transport when um, lockdowns uh, subside and, you know, taking a bus is no longer considered a health hazard. Yeah, I, I respect that. I mean, I mean, it's, I, I definitely like cars, so I'm, I'm, bit, I'm definitely on the opposite trend, but I, I can respect you know, at least you having your, your 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 philosophies about um, movements and transportation, and and I, I think it's I think everyone definitely has to have stuff that they. It does seem like you have a, a very strong reason why you feel there should be less cars on the road. I think as far as I I I do I have been thinking about much more, uh, like I'll say clean energy, so electric cars and stuff. So I'm hoping that I can. At least get a get an electric car next. I've been mean, thinking about it a lot because I I do think we should care more about the environment. And I think the new electric cars coming out have been looking pretty good. So is this a coded way of telling me you're going to get a Tesla? <laughs> I mean, it could be. It could be. I'm not going to say. I'm not giving any, anyone endorsements until they pay me. But uh, uh, I'm just. <laughs> All right, just listeners, if, if Mr. Frames pulls up and he starts recording from his uh, Tesla Model S or X, just, just, just understand, understand that this, this was a long time coming. <laughs> oh, no worries. Uh, Mr. Frames. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm not even that dogmatic. Please pick me up with your Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not that dogmatic about my have you, have you actually been to one before? Have you been to Tesla? Never. Before? You know what's crazy? Oh. I, I called an Uber for someone and the person showed up in a Tesla and I was so mad. I'm like, I've I've used Uber like religiously for years yeah. and I haven't I haven't ever been in like um a Tesla and I I I, I ordered one for someone and then the and it wasn't even like the, it was a Tesla, the one with the going doors. Yeah, uh, yeah, that pulled up. I'm like, man, that Lamborghini doors. I think. Yeah, That's I was the... so like upset. <laughs> and then again, I ordered, um, I ordered something on Uber Eats, and it showed up in a Tesla. I'm like, I've never been in a Tesla, <laughs> and my meal is arriving in a Tesla. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I feel like this is, but no, I ha- I haven't been in one. I have. I've been in the Model Three, and so backstory before I did get in one, I I. I never used to rate electric cars. I just electric cars. I just felt like no nah, combustion engine only that kind of thing. I got in one and I was really impressed. It was very minimalist. It's just like this giant iPad looking screen in front of you that can literally control the entire car. You can use Spotify. I mean, it's just a great user experience. And uh, I thought it was an amazing, amazing car. You could, I think, it has this lane discipline technology and. 
self-driving technology. Obviously, you're not going to do that all the time, but the car can literally drive itself and keep to that same lane. It's such a well-engineered car. And so I have thought about it a couple of times. Like, you know what? I might, you know, if given, given the opportunity and, you know, I'd definitely have to get one, you know, all so... Right. And so this think, is explaining your cryptocurrency investment. So you're just stacking them <laughs> coins so that, you know, you can, you can make the moves. And <laughs> the, the next episode will be, will be recorded in, in a futuristic vehicle. I see you. I see you. Speaking of crypto, I mean, I just feel like in this lockdown, every it's like all of a sudden everyone wants to know about how they can invest in crypto. And I know people who have made a good amount of money and we've seen all kinds of coins come out in this season, like Bitcoin and the likes. And, well, sorry, sorry to say that. Bitcoin obviously came out over a decade ago, but I mean, there've been new tokens that have come out that have like just done pretty well. And I mean, I don't know. I I, I feel like I, my own reasoning is as more and more things are moving to the digital realm, people are not trying to think about digital first experiences and a big part of it is digital money or crypto money or whatever you want to call it. How it's going to be afterwards, I don't know. But I mean, the other day I saw, I saw a screenshot of a pastor. I think he was he put his Bitcoin address. Uh, basically, said he wanted to donate or give your offerings, like you know, donate Bitcoin. So it's definitely here. People are like adjusting to, you know, this merge of this fusion of bringing the digital world into the physical. You know, pretty interesting times. I saw that uh, Merriam-Webster's Dictionary just um, added non-fungible token to their, um, as an official entry into the dictionary. So it's an official word. They recognize it. It's it's a thing now. Like, yeah, you're right. It's um, it's everywhere. And there's a, an uprising of this information or perspective across um this lockdown period yes sir but let's take back let's take a look back into the well let's take a walk into the way back way back machine to 1918 and that was i think the the last pandemic that was at least i'll say close to the scale i mean more, more people died in that one i think 100 million people or so i can't remember but what's the name of this pandemic the 1918 Spanish flu. Obviously, that's uh, people don't like calling it the Spanish flu for political reasons, but it's generally known as the Spanish flu. I think it's also called the H1N1 flu. But anyway, it was that was like the last major uh, flu, which in a way still kind of, I mean, that flu hasn't been, I'm not a doctor or anything, but every year people still take their flu shots. So I'm guessing like the flu as a virus hasn't been completely eradicated. Definitely but, not. Flu shots are still a thing. I mean, not yeah. this year, but I mean, pre-COVID, yeah, flu shots were still a thing. Definitely. So my question is, do you think COVID will be the new flu, quote unquote? Bro, that's a very scary thought. Like, so you're saying like every, every like winter season, like it comes around and people are, I mean, hopefully we, if, so if COVID becomes the new flu, um, hopefully we would have gone beyond vaccines and these sort of restrictions and mm -hmm. we, we would understand the spread and transmission better. So like maybe the doorway above stores will have like something that like um, temporarily heats you. You know how if you go to Costco, there's like a section in, do you go to Costco? Yeah. It, okay. If if not, please do. Costco, like shout out to Costco for being like an amazing um, organization. Um, it, the freezer, when you walk in, they have like a, a cooling thing at the door. So like where the eggs and milk are is like significantly colder than the right. rest of the store. And you walk through the door. Maybe if they realize that uh, the the thing for covid is like gets like nullified at a certain temperature they could flash you at that temperature and basically wipe you clean as you walk into the store right or maybe yeah. you 
uh, or like I don't I don't I don't know. That's just a hypothetical technology thing there, but it could also be as simple as a medication you take or like a tablet or like you get vaccinated once a year or something and it's no you the the current restrictions that are being that are straining the economy aren't going to be a thing anymore so hopefully that is what um hopefully that's what uh the world the direction we would be going in if um covid becomes like the flu um, I can tell you that I hope that's not the case, and I hope this is a particular um, disease we get rid of or eliminate. But it might also be a reminder, a constant reminder to keep health practices up so that even more severe um, viruses that or illnesses that come up don't get transmitted as much because we're too busy running away from COVID and putting up all these things in place that we don't, we, we keep our guard up and um, deadly transmissions aren't, a, would be reduced if a future worse thing comes up. And I mean, as we, we, we plan to exist long on this planet as human beings, it's almost inevitable that we're going to face something even more deadly. And hopefully our, the lessons we learn from COVID and the technologies we develop in this period will help us uh, survive even that for sure i think there's definitely going to be things beyond just vaccinations that will come out of this as ways to tackle this pandemic and i'll do some research about to just go back to my previous point about the 1918 uh, flu uh, pandemic and i noticed that one of the major things that came out of that was the nationalization of healthcare. So I guess most countries in the West, like the UK, Germany, they instituted like a, a social health care so that, you know, people who are citizens can get access to, you know, the best healthcare services before. I think they didn't really have like that kind of system it was more by like little jurisdictions and charities. So it wasn't like a full blown or a fully systemized operation. And I think what they realized was that it was important. Health was obviously really important and they're trying to avoid these amounts uh, of, of casualties. The US obviously embraced more of a health insurance system where like your employer or whoever you're working for, or I, I mean, actually I don't know how the US system works in, in detail, but I do know that they have more of a, uh, uh, an insurance kind of practice. And obviously there have been debates about whether or not universal healthcare works for them or not. Canada, obviously we have a free healthcare and so you can get, you know, good treatment, but obviously there have been issues with more people getting into, what's that thing called? Uh, ICUs because of COVID and all that. So, yeah, I mean, but my point is this, these were like one of the major developments that came out of that pandemic. So obviously we still have this system in place, but I feel like the, I feel like COVID has exposed the weaknesses of these systems. And now we have to think about the future and we've seen some innovations in health IT. So like you mentioned, or let me say, I don't know, like will there be a way to like use tech to detect your temperature and Sometimes you, I remember before the lockdowns, you can go into a place and someone would like scan your temperature just to see, because, you know, high fevers or high temperatures are like a signal that you possibly ha have COVID or not. But I'm curious to see what happens next as far as how we adapt to this and how technology um, embraces this new wave. Um, we obviously have to be, I remember before the pandemic, way before, as kids, you know, they say when you go outside or before you eat, wash your hands, use soap. And coming to Canada also, 2010, I remember when I was in school, there was a, a professor that had like a, a table full with like hand sanitizers. And I thought that was very interesting. I asked him before in my life. But he had like one sanitizer for a different purpose. And obviously, I think that at the time, there was a SARS virus also, but nowhere as transmissible as COVID. And so I'm just I'm just wondering like beyond just the vaccines because everybody, everybody keeps saying 
as long as the vaccines get rolled out, you know, people will be okay. But people, obviously, some people are anti-vaxxers. I've never taken a flu shot before in my life. I don't think I, I don't think I ever will. But now I'm wondering to myself: Should I get the vac- uh, the COVID vaccine? Actually, that's a good question. Do you are you are you considering getting the vaccine eventually? <laughs> so we're asking political questions on air. Um, <laughs> okay, um, I generally anti medication, not for mostly because I generally had good health. And um, I feel that as a society, we over-medicate. And so I usually try and let my body heal or recover. This doesn't mean that I don't take medication. It's just I, I don't want to become dependent on that. And so I avoid it as much as possible. That being said, um, I am going to take the um, COVID-19 vaccination And the primary reason is because no matter how I feel about it, I want to protect the people around me. I want to make sure everyone is healthy. And if this is the little I can do to ensure that they have a higher chance of not getting anything, so be it. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned this to you, but I did get COVID. And um, it for me, I had like lower back pain for like a day. And like Qatar for like a day or two. And basically that was it. (laughs) I was done, you know, but um, the other people around me were like more seriously affected and down for a while. There was, there was someone that I was quite concerned about um, and it kind of got me. um, I don't like, so even if my system is good enough to, like basically shrug it off. I don't want to be an asymptomatic carrier and the people I'm around and stay with and see day to day, I'd accidentally transmit something to them and then they're like knocked down and their life is negatively affected. So for that reason, I'm willing to um, just um, go ahead and take and get the COVID-19 vaccination. what about yourself? Yeah, um, first of all, I respect that, you know, you giving us you know, your story. And I mean, it's good to know that you you came out of it and you're, and you're healthy. And uh, I mean, like not many people have, you know, are able to give that kind of story. So, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that at least people who are around you are doing good. And for me, I'm definitely going to, I will take the vaccine. I'm still studying the ones that are, um, that are good. I heard Canada has suspended AstraZeneca due to the rare blood clots, blood clots that have been springing up of recent. And so I'm definitely not going to take the AZ one, but I'm open to the other ones that have been, that have had like some good feedback or maybe that maybe some mild, what's the worst side effects, but I would eventually get the vaccine. Although where I live is not considered a hotspot yet. So I guess once they open up the the vaccination pools or whatever for this area, I'll I'll eventually line up for one. Nice. I'm glad to hear that um, you're considering it. Um, it's I I honestly I feel I I don't feel either way if people want to take it or not. I, mine is just the unique circumstances I'm in. I. I, if I, if I lived in an apartment alone and didn't have to deal with anyone and work from home alone and all that stuff, there's a very good chance I might have said no. But um, here we are, and I think um, this is this is the way forward for me um, to to be the best I can for the people around me. Totally, hundred percent. And I think so far, I mean, vaccines have been shown to be the best fight it against the virus and so you know but you're right i'm not going to force i'm not i don't throw my opinions of people to say you must get their vaccine it's all about your body and but at least please stay safe and think about others yep it, definitely and wa- wash your hands if you can and uh wear a mask please uh, just mask, try and keep people I, keep the little you can do to keep people safe um it may not be comfortable, but uh, whatever you can, let's let's look out for other other people, other humans. One hundred percent. I mean, and if you drive, probably just have like a bottle of uh, 
hand sanitizers in your car. So if you step out to somewhere, you touch a handle, touch a door, you just, you know, get your hands cleaned afterwards or just to avoid the, the spread. That being said, in this lockdown season, I've had to re-evaluate myself like I always do. And I've had to ask myself what... So I'm very big on skills. I'm big on acquiring new skills because I think one of the things that have kept humans alive for such a long time is our ability to learning new skills. So thinking back to early man, like cavemen, building little tools to, you know, create sculptures or create houses from like little rocks and things like that. And to the modern era where we're dealing with programming, accounting, the internet, creating stuff, digital media, engineering, science, all this stuff, arts. And I've had to think of what I need to do with, I mean, I, I, I would consider myself to be already skilled, but then even more so, uh, like what skills do I need to acquire in this season? And I've learned a few things. I mean, I've learned how to cook better. You know, cooking obviously is an important part of survival. And so learning how to make different meals. The other thing I think I've, I've had to learn how to do more with less. And so what I mean by that is, for instance, now, if I wanted to buy clothes, what's the point of time I walk into a, a clothing store and look around and see what I want to buy? Out here, clothing stores are, are closed. So... I, the less is the experience of walking in and being able to try on stuff. I have to deal with just looking online and picking what I want and hopefully it is what I want eventually. For you, what do you think, what skills have you developed in this season? And generally, like, what skills are going to be important post COVID-19 lockdown? Uh, uh, I found myself doing a little bit more around the house i think i shared my earlier schedule where i get up um, i'm basically out of the house off to the gym out at starbucks all day come home and i crash i i, I neglected cooking skills i neglected um, a lot of home repair and diy stuff um now i've been forced to be at home and um Turns out the oven light has been out for a while and um, we had ended up changing that. That wasn't difficult, but I needed to research what kind of bulb goes into the oven, what kind of temperature rating and a bunch of different little things like that. You, you would think that buying a bulb in this time is an easy thing, but there's just a proliferation or of the amount of bulb types there are and configurations they could be in and just being able to sift through that information to find the right one. I mean, ultimately it wasn't hard. I didn't need any special tools to change this bulb, but I needed to do some research and figure it out, order it and get it in to make this happen. And part of that, part of that, um, the very tiny di that's just a very tiny slice of the diy experience but i feel like there's been a lot more of that um in my life these days than in the past and um it, just going back to that bulb experience something about it stood out to me where we do where humans do this thing where we um with a new idea, we iterate in very different versions of it, but then we ultimately have to standardize and the standardization process makes things easier for everyone involved. And you either get on board with the standardization or get left out. An example would be clothing sizes, right? Um, when you first start making clothes, you make them and you sew the length of the of the arms the way you want as long as both arms are equal but then you start realizing that if you're making for like a u.s audience you want your u.s size 7 
to be an expected measurement. So if I'm trying to sell this shirt online, if I say it's US size seven, it's exactly what you expect. I, I think you kind of alluded to that in your own um, online shopping experience. And um, I, I experienced that with bulbs. There's many different types of fittings and sizing types and stuff like that. And even though they could make bulbs in many different configurations, and they do, they fall into very specific categories of sizing. I didn't even know there were like bulb sizing measurements like A15, A19, A21, E or G45 and stuff like that. And the fitting, the fitting thing on the bottom is also has its own specifications. But I appreciate why that exists because now I can buy a bulb and I don't need to buy it from the oven manufacturer specifically. Somebody else can manufacture a bulb and that fits across a whole range of appliances. And so that sort of process of standardizing some things, you see it with COVID solutions with like masks. There's like all sorts of different styles of masks that initially first came up and face shields and stuff. And then there are going to be sort of accepted ones going forward. Uh, ones that are sufficient, ones that cover your nose and your chin and like the face shield does this. And um, I'm kind of, th that bulb experience just sort of made me think about all those and maybe they're um, in being able to serve a wider market, that standardization process is key. And um, it'll be nice to sort of take my um, wider programming knowledge and find the standardization parts where I fit in. Um, so standardizing the skill sets I have in programming and other um, things. Sorry, I went on there for a second. What about you? Yeah, I mean, you were giving us, like, I've never, I, I mean, for bulbs, all I look out for is how many watts there are. Is it, and is it a screw type or I can't remember the other type? But yeah, I think in this season, with as far as skills go, so I think upping my digital skills has been top of my list. And I've been trying to, so, I mean, most of my career, I've done a lot of UI development, but I've definitely been working on, becoming more data-oriented. So learning about, I guess, dealing with databases and that kind of thing. And I say this because I feel that being self-sustainable, it's almost like going back to the early days of man where you know, everybody had like their own little cottage and you know you go out to hunt and that kind of thing. And so I've been trying to learn how to be self-sufficient and just being able to build stuff and I guess in tech terms, more on, of a full stack minor account person. And so that has been going on in that in that respect. I think DIY has been big in this season too. So my wife, the other day, she built, made like a couple of blankets and all she did was go on YouTube, got some yarn. What? Get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She She made some blankets. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She made like- You gotta send me pictures. I'm very curious. That's That's impressive. Yeah, I'll send them to you. I'll send them to you. She made it was. I think she just wanted like new blankets, and she didn't want. She didn't want to pay. I think it was like hundred something dollars. She didn't want to pay that, so she went on YouTube, got some yarn, and spent like six or something hours making one. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. So yeah, I think DIY has been a, a big deal. People are trying to be more creative, trying to do more with less, and just but. Being, but DIY is still a part of, you know, skills building. You know, people are also like renovating their backyards by, by themselves and not having to call professionals. They just go online, you know, get a book and get the tools and they build themselves. And so I think that's, for me, that's a beautiful thing because it shows that people can be resourceful. And I guess we're learning that we don't always have to depend on, because we get so bombarded with advertising, right? Where we feel like, what we're looking for is out there. But now I guess we're learning to be much more self-sufficient and to really dig, really, really, you know, to, to dig, to dig deeper and find out those skills that we can bring out, you know, in this season. Uh, what are the, what are the stories that have really been exciting to you as far as like new trends and, or 
crazy people, crazy things that have been built in this season. I think the other day I came across a video game called uh, Trash Panda, and it was a game of a raccoon that was walking around Toronto. And I guess the, the whole joke is we're in lockdown, but you can move around the city as a raccoon. And I think it's in the beta, so only a few people can play it at the moment. But um, yeah, that's been quite an interesting development. So I guess someone said to make a video game of that. And that's an example of, I guess, using your skills to do something that is creative because I'm thinking if this was two years ago, who really would care about being a raccoon walking around Toronto? But given the situation we're in right now, someone had to use his or her creative skills to build this. Have there been anything you've seen in the news, like something, someone created something in the lockdown that you thought, wow, this is really creative or interesting? Yes, um, I found out about uh, somebody who started an ice cream sandwich business. Um, and that blew my mind because that, the, first off, the person had three jobs pre-pandemic, got laid off, and that blew my, and they just started putting together, um, they wanted to make the perfect ice cream sandwich and started experimenting with stuff and trying different things. And they ended up making, um, they ended up making a business out of it. And that blew my mind because like, that seems like a ridiculously hard business to get into. Like, I mean, first off, I mean, it's get it's getting warmer, but it doesn't feel like it's hot enough for like ice cream weather just yet. But I mean, I'm not like <laughs> I don't have Canadian jeans, so maybe I um, it's it's not ice cream weather for me. But um, somebody started sell, started this in like December, January, February, and has been doing like lots of different flavors and collaborations with organizations and creating like mind-blowing to me and i've just been fascinated with this story of the ice cream sandwich business it's called ernie's icebox I'll, I'll look i think i saw a link to that online that's that's pretty interesting i think people who are visual creators so if you have something where you can you know you can show like a visual representation and you put on social media you, you most likely will get some good feedback because I, I feel like people are like hungry for something new, something exciting. And so if you have something unusual that you put online, like people are just going to be, you know, they'll be so drawn to it. And kudos to her for, you know, taking that um, initiative. And I, I really hope that the business does well. Restaurants in, in, in general have been so impacted by this pandemic and they've had to you know, adapt as far as even service delivery, thinking outside the box, and it, it must be difficult because part of dining is just that experience. Before the pandemic, my wife and I, we used to love going to restaurants to try out new food items, new menus. But now, yes, you can order food to your house, but you know you, you miss out on that, like the ambience and other experience. And it's very easy to take these things for granted. And I'm just hoping that you know eventually, when we have better solutions to these things, so we 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 would appreciate what we what we had and not look at it as oh anybody can do this and so yeah i, I think another thing i was going to mention about uh, this in this season i've seen a lot of people come up with coaching courses and whether it's like how to make did you share with me uh, how, how to make cocktails i saw that online i don't know did you share that with me Sure. I don't know if I shared that with you, but I have like, I don't think I did actually, but I was doing some research about like businesses that were started in the pandemic. And there was a bar, somebody who used to have like, um, what's the cocktail mixing, like the people who mix drinks at, at, at bars. Yes. So they used to have mixology courses in person and they completely pivoted. And now they do the mixology courses or classes online. But so I saw this, but I, I'm pretty sure I didn't send it to you. So we both saw the same thing randomly. Yeah. So it, it, I think that's going back to the DIY discussion. So if more people are doing more DIY stuff, that means more people want to learn. And that means there's an opportunity to teach or coach. And it just looks like 
I mean, the, there's this company called Thinkific that provides learning management systems for coaching or teaching. And they went public. They're, they're based in Vancouver. And I think that they got listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange. So it seems like there's definitely a shift and people are doing very well in the coaching and teaching industry. So I think that's just something that we should, uh, it, it's a space that I think education has, has a one place I've always been uh, about, but it's, I'm beginning to change my mind after a while because if people want to learn something and you have something you can teach, I mean, why not? And if that's an opportunity for you, I would definitely say go for it. People, there's definitely a high demand for people who have skills that they can teach to people. If you, if you, if there's something you want to learn, now, what would that be? I would want to learn how to be a better cook right now. That is, I, I feel like that is one area where you could, um, change people's lives in a better way like just um help them like food is food is so important like we, we eat at least once a day hopefully um hopefully more than that but um you being able to create like delicious flavorful meals with like not being so dependent on lots of ingredients and you can get high quality nutrients that would be that would be a skill like I would, I would love to have, I would, I would be very interested in acquiring. What about yourself? What skills are you, um, or, or did you mean like commercial skills, something you could use to earn money? No, not, not necessarily. If there's one skill I've always wanted to have, it would be illustration. I wish I could draw. And I actually think I can draw if I put my mind to it. Like it's, it's, I'm pretty sure I'll be able to pick up Illustrator or even sketching. There was a time when I used to look up books online on you know, how to draw stuff, but my, it, it's, it's just putting that time and dedication towards that skill. And I feel like right now there's so many other things that are pressing. And I think already, I feel like I already have quite a number of skills and I'm just trying to like maximize those ones in the meantime. But generally, generally I, I wish I could just draw or illustrate because I see some stuff online, some really cool designs. I'm like, who made this? And I get slightly envious when I see them. But yeah, visual design is such an amazing thing. And maybe someday, I think I think eventually I'll just I'll just say, you know what? I'm just going to lock myself. Well, that is sound nice. I'm just going to lock down, no pun intended, and just pick up that skill one way or another. What I mean, I don't know if I'm going to pay for a course to do that. I haven't decided yet because, you know, again, there are other things that are taking my attention at the moment. But, yeah, drawing will be at the top of the list. Yeah, that is a nice uh, – that would be a really nice skill to have. I, it's, it's, um, I've always been interested in drawing. I just um, don't feel I've ever really been good at it. Um, I don't think I've put in enough time or practice to hone it to – and and honestly, I feel like just if you can pick any skill set and it feels like it's a lifetime of work to get to the level you're seeing on Instagram or, or things like that. Yes. And I guess that makes sense, right? Because they've already spent their life doing this. So like, obviously, you know, like the, the, the benchmark is a lifetime. You don't, you don't see an athlete on TV and it's like, great, I'm going to play ball. And like two weeks later, NBA, NBA level, you know, um, but it just is daunting the level of skill you see out there. And it's sort of like sometimes it feels like even a hindrance to even want to try some things. I think we talked about this in an older episode. Did we? Don't, maybe we did. But I was going to say, yeah, looking at Instagram for inspiration can, it can be a gift and a curse at the same time because you look at these things and you feel inspired, you want to do yours. But at the same time, you ask yourself, how many how many years do I need to take to get to that skill level? And if you feel it's going to take too much of your time, you might be discouraged. But I feel, I, I, I mean, I think about programming also. I mean, I did not think I'd be able to be, program, to be a programmer. I didn't think I had the skill sets to be one. But, you know, they say necessity the mother, is the mother of invention. And I just felt like I had to learn this. Otherwise, I wasn't sure how my life would be like if I didn't learn how to code. And so I just 
put my mind to it. I put my mind to it. I went back, you know, took to courses. I you know, read books. I just made sure I, and, and just really, really dug deep into it, right? And you know, just thankfully, I, I can say that that's worked out fine for me. And so maybe I need to have that same approach towards learning how to draw. I don't know, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, last thing I was going to talk about was how do you think we're going to move around the world? Like if we need to move, if we want to travel now to a different country. I mean, they've been talked about vaccine passports and it's a bit controversial because that's looking into like private information, that kind of thing. Uh, do you think, I think Canada's even talking about it. I'm not sure what a vaccine passport is actually in terms of like what it means, but I think it's just something to identify that you have been vaccinated. What do you think about that? Do you think that's like infringing on your, on your, on your privacy or something like that? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I... <clears throat> Nuanced, nuanced question. Why don't you take this one first? Let me think about how I feel about it. Right. So I'm doing a, I'm doing a research right now on Google, and it says the first thing I see: eighty percent of Canadians support COVID nineteen passports for travel. So let me see what that that's about. And hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I I understand the premise, and I think so. Nineteen eighteen again. That was the last real major pandemic. The world was not even close to being as interconnected as it is right now. And today, it's a it's a global space. You know, you can move around freely. Well, I guess as long as you have a visa or the right documents to travel. But um, I just feel it's, put it this way, anything that can ensure safe travel, I'm definitely for it. I do think it's definitely controversial because now we're dealing with privacy information and that kind of thing. But if it's a way to reduce the amount of spread of the virus, I guess we don't really have a choice at this point in time. And to see such a high number of Canadians saying that they support it means obviously people are concerned about the future of travel and you know how many people come to the country and that are vaccinated or not. So it's definitely a space that still needs to be studied, but I understand why this is you know, a growing trend. I... Um... I don't, I see the necessity of that or like, I can see the value of having a vaccine passport and truth be told, when you're traveling um, to certain places, they check your vaccination records. So that doesn't feel dramatically different. It feels like they might just be adding COVID-19 on top of that. to that list so it's not a completely brand new concept um i just feel that it like but unless you have a private jet for example you wouldn't be able to do that and once you have that for planes wouldn't they would it make sense to scale that down for trains and like buses or like you can't you, you might need to prove to Uber that you've had a vaccination so that you can order a, a ride or on the other hand, drive one. And then it's like, that feels like there's a whole class of people you lock out of the ecosystem. Yeah. And um, is, it, it, it's, it's, it's complicated. Um, I, I think there's good there's good value to the idea, but a lot of um, good ideas spiral out into not so good um, results. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it just seems like it's it, it something that it's something that if we start, there could be much more demands. Like you mentioned, they could be it, it might even be going beyond planes, like you said, trains, entering a restaurant, maybe even schools. Universities might say before you can enroll in classes, you have to be vaccinated, and you must show some form of certification. It's it's definitely a, a new world, and uh, nothing. I mean, even just like even before vaccines came out, I mean, there was already controversy about how you can create vaccines in less than a year or something. So nothing is without controversy. But I'm I'm always for anything that takes us forward, and just hoping that it's something that is worth it, worth it in the end. And hopefully, people's rights aren't violated in the process. That bit you just said about people's rights getting violated, it may not even be essentially rights, but just hyper inconvenience that isn't necessary. Um, like the example was there was a guy who got on a plane with a shoe bomb once, and now for decades after, everybody's taking off their shoes at the airport. And it's yes. like, I feel like I, I see that this is a, a well-intentioned idea, you know, and like we've all sort of gone along with it and continue to go along with it. Now it's like getting getting on a plane, taking off your shoe is not a big deal. Like, I mean, like what I mean is the idea is now normalized, but it's ridiculous how it became an idea in the first place. You know what I mean? Um, yes. And I feel like vaccine passports could start there and it's like, oh, um, people of this type are more prone to being carried. Like, let's say we discover that type AB blood, people with that blood type are more prone to being carriers of COVID-19 because of some weird new mutation. Does that mean these class of people should no longer be allowed on public transport? Or, you know, like, like you, you don't know how weird or, absurd things can get until they get there and then you're looking as like how did we get here that we're now checking blood types before getting on a plane very true well hopefully i think in general i just i'm just looking forward to just being able to do quote-unquote normal things you know walk into a restaurant walk into a bar and hopefully not feel anxious being around people and Hopefully it's in the it's in the short term, maybe next year. Definitely nothing's gonna be this year in Canada at least. But really, I I was still hopeful that before the end of the year, like we'll, we'll wrap all this up. Like, isn't that isn't that a possibility? Like, I mean, it, if actually, let me check how many cases are. I've been googling each day, like how many cases in Ontario. Uh, let me see, Ontario cases. Just a sec. Mm. Ottawa, so Ottawa sees 115 cases. I don't really know. I can't see. I'm not seeing like the Ontario. Okay, so Ontario reports two twenty three hundred cases. So I guess the trend is somewhat downward because at one point it was like 3,000 cases, I think almost 4,000 at one point. But yeah, hopefully this trend continues to to go down and, and get flat. The last thing I wanted to say was I wanted to dedicate, I actually thought about this as we're recording. I want to dedicate this uh, episode to my dad who passed away sadly due to COVID-19. And uh, I know that he would have, uh, you know, that he would love to be around and be around family, but you know, COVID is definitely real and hope he continues to rest peacefully. And uh, yeah, everyone stay safe and, you know, try to take care of yourself in this season. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a very, I, I remember him from our times growing up. He was a very nice, polite, understanding, and he had a big laugh. <laughs> yeah, um, <yes. laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I, rest in peace, sir. Yeah. I mean, he, he was one of the first person that told me about the, well, I knew about the pandemic, but he used to be, uh, he used to like 
caution everyone to take care of themselves, you know. But um, it's okay. It's been four months now. Yeah, four months. But it's all good. Anyhow, I think to this wrap up the session has been once again great talk. I know today was a little different, but I mean, is I just feel like it's part of the times we're in as far as like the lockdowns and. I mean, part of the reason why we had even these recordings was just for us to, even though we can't, you know, necessarily see in person, but at least as a way of keeping in touch and making sure that the things we're, we're trying to do, we're able to accomplish them. And so, yeah, it's great to have this competition again, again with you, Uzo. Likewise, likewise. And uh, please don't forget, if there's anything you want to take away from this episode is that when you get that Tesla, pull up and holler at your boy. <laughs> yes. No worries. I got you. I got you. Man. All right. Mr. All right. Frames, it was nice. All right. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.